Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. Welcome everybody. It's episode 137 of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. Indeed, it is One Man's Opinion. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing or following, commenting. Whatever feedback you've given on this podcast, however you have come in contact with it, we do so appreciate it. It is uh, very, very nice to see some great numbers coming from the SXM app, which we are now available on. If you're listening to that format, thank you very much, or any format. Really, it doesn't matter. We're just happy that you found this program. This is episode 137 of One Man's Opinion. My name is Jeff Mans. You can hear me weekday afternoons hosting Sirius XM Fantasy Football Radio's Elite Sports Program, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time on that network, also on the SXM app. So uh, you get uh, plenty of episodes if you're listening that way as well, everybody. I'm also part owner and the chief content officer over at fantasyguru.com we've got all kinds of great things going on there we've got thanksgiving week coming up holidays are upon us we've got some of the best slates and weekends and days of sports right ahead of us i mean between thanksgiving day full of football college football bowl week the start of the college basketball season We've got every Saturday and Sunday of foot and Monday and Thursday of football. We've got daily NHL and NBA Christmas day NBA, which is one of the greatest days sports days of the year as well. We've got Christmas Eve football, Christmas day football this year, folks get in with us over at fantasyguru.com. We've got a uh, special package. If you want to sign up for the rest of the football season, And that is all the rankings, all the game script articles, waivers and rankings and projections and all that stuff. Plus DFS, cash game breakdown, positional coaches, core fours every single week, live streams, podcasts, the chats on our Discord over at FantasyGuru.com. And also access to the Man's Cave. That is our 24-7 Discord room where I go in and I watch games with you guys on Mondays, on Thursdays, and... On Sunday nights, I will go in. Also host chats in there regularly throughout the week as well. You get access to all of that. Just $99, folks, rest of the season. So if you've been thinking about signing up, remember, we have 12 weeks left of the season. There's more coming up than there's already been. I know in November, for our seasonal trained brains, a lot of us think, oh, Season's almost over. It's not even close. The DFS slates specifically in the playoffs are fantastic. I don't love the showdowns like the Super Bowl. Great betting slate, of course. Great DFS showdown game because it's the last DFS NFL contest of the year. I'm not into that one, but I love the wild card round. The wild card, super wild card round, whatever you want to call it. The divisional rounds are fantastic. Fantastic. Some of the best there are. So uh, get in with us over fantasyguru.com. Uh, by the way, you could follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Mans on that Twitter spheres where Elon Musk runs Ramshot over all of us. Also find me on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok, the Jeff Mans, all one word. All of those places as well. All right, we got a lot to get to here today. Riding solo on this one. 
once again. We'll go recap in week number 10 in the NFL and fantasy football in betting. We're also look ahead to week 11. I've got survivor picks. I've got bets. I've got upsets for the week. Today, we're also going to talk a lot about the tight end position because I feel that's the one that's in the most flux right now. All right, so we'll be going over every single element to the tight end spot that we possibly can. And basically, we'll just summarize by saying just have Travis Kelsey. If you have Travis Kelsey, none of this really pertains to you or uh, Mark Andrews. But I think there's a lot to learn out of that as well. So we'll, we'll get to it, have some fun along the way. All right, so week number 10, what what happened? It was a better week for me. After week nine, I had a bit of a meltdown. Let me talk a little bit about that. I did last on the, the last episode here as well. It was a much better week. A lot of great support from the customers and listeners and subscribers and followers and everybody else. I mean, 99% of you are just really good, amazing people. And it's a shame that I have to talk down to you. Like it, I feel almost embarrassed that I threw a fit and threatened to withhold content because basically saying, Oh, by the way, this is an uncensored podcast. So you need to put your earbuds in. You need to turn the volume down, get the kids out of the room or what have you. So just so you know, because I almost said a bad word there, and I'm going to. I'm going to say a lot of them. So be careful. It is all on you. Thank you. I uh, had to because it's fucking embarrassing to have to do that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, it's the nature of the beast. The whole bottom line is I've made a decision that I'm not standing for it. I, you know, let's talk about, what I always talk about the zoom out philosophy on life and let's zoom out for a minute. I've made a clerical decision in my life that I'm not going to be a part of the cycle. Do you know what I'm talking about? The cycle that everybody wants you to be on, you know, and this was a, um, Something I think I think I've been like this my whole life, but I really feel like during the pandemic and COVID and all that shit is when I really had to make those tough decisions. Right? There's every think about think about your anger and anguish and your your what what pisses you off the most. Chances are you're gonna say people piss you off the most. That's true. We are conditioned. The cycle of life right now is that we all have to hate each other. We all have to disagree with each other. Like we are just forced into corners constantly. It's like that, you know, it's like that in sports. It shouldn't be. I hated it growing up. I didn't realize how much I hated it. Uh, I'm in Chicago, Cubs, White Sox. (laughs) Had to fight. It was constantly. It was just fight, 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 fight. And what's the, what was, what was the purpose? I mean, I got fist fights over it. I've seen other people. There's been murders in Chicago over you're a Cub or a White Sox fan. I mean, it's serious fucking business. And it's just like, why? Why are we doing that? And so I made a conscious effort over the last few years to just absolve myself from the things that I can't control and the things that don't matter. However, I've also made the conscious effort to things that do matter and that I can control to do it my way or do it the way I believe is the right thing. Um, And that's got me a lot of trouble 
you know, and it, it started with at on the business side of things with the, the whole shutdown and sports were gone. And, you know, all of us, you know, a lot of people I worked with started going into the politics and getting all fucking crazy on that. And we saw we rehashed that this week, a bunch of people getting into the politics game and all this stuff. And I, I think to myself, why none of that is your nobody cares about what you think they shouldn't you know and if you say you care about my politics or imagine that me having politics but if you care about that the real what you're really saying when you're not lying to yourself is you're wanting to see if i'm on your side or not and that's where i just step out because I would like to be on your side no matter what. But you won't see it that way. If I say, yay, uh, Biden, yay, Trump, you guys would fucking massacre me either way because you'd be looking for what you think that that would mean something as opposed to what I am to you. I, I can't describe to you how little I care about all of it. I just don't care. It's not important. What I do is football. What I do is sports in general. And I'm one of the best football analysts around. And that's what I bring to the table. So you shouldn't give a single shit about what I think about any of that kind of stuff. Especially if it gets in your way. You guys should do you with, with all of it. And what I'm getting back to is that I made this decision years ago. And keep having to reinforce it that I don't want people around our Discord, our website, my shows. I don't want people that are only here for the eventual fight. And I, I mentioned this on the last episode. I, I have a weird, keen awareness to me that I could tell. I've identified several people already and are still in our Discord. I know who the next one is and the next one and the next. I could tell by your attitude, your mannerisms, I could tell, um, like I could tell people on our staff, I could tell who the next one is, you know, to, to jump ship, if you will. And, um, you know, try to go somewhere. I, I could, like, I know this shit before they know it, I think. Right. And I've been right. 100%, like literally 100% of the time so far. I, I just can tell. I think people think they uh, that others can't tell. I don't think we give each other enough credit because I don't think I have any special skill in that regard. But what I'm saying is I got to filter out the bullshit. I just cannot handle it. Those people that are in this for uh, because you think you're cheating the system and you're going to get a quick buck and all this kind of shit is just you guys are not for me. You're not going to be happy here. You know, like you just can't, you're just not going to be happy. So might as well just get out of Dodge now. And we have a great time on Mondays and Thursdays, even Sunday nights. Like it's a great atmosphere in the man's cave, the discord room. That's just wonderful. It's fun to hang out. It's exciting. I look forward to it. I was happy that this week was, you know, great again because I wasn't sure after I got real pissy and real direct with people, but that's the way I have to roll. And 
when I say I can't be on the cycle anymore, that includes I'll put it in terms of fantasy sports only and fantasy football directly, like the chasing element. I talk about it every single year. I talk about it with baseball season two, but it's just constant. Everybody's chasing everything. And one of the biggest, the most astounding things that I've seen in the last couple of days was, is the amount of people that claim Rashad white is the new one running back one in Tampa Bay. And what the fuck are you guys talking about? Like, honestly, what, and what do you even, I can't begin to tell you how dumb that is. I mean, it's one thing. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't have Rashad white. You shouldn't, pick him up if he was available. You shouldn't trade for him even. None of that's what I'm saying. But the amount of people that now believe because he, for the first time all season, he had more touches than Leonard Fournette, which you know Fournette left that game with a, a hip injury. Everybody knows it. It was on right when you woke up out of bed on either coast, right? There's no question about it. So why in the world... Do you think Rashad White is now better than Leonard Fournette or, or higher on the food chain? He's just not. So why? But this is not just it's more than the Rashad White situation. It's the constant rotating of players, the churn, if you will. I got to pick this up. I got to drop this guy. Pick, hold, drop, pick, hold, drop, pick, hold, drop, pick. You guys just cycle it all out. And we see it all the time where what you're doing, you're making horrible mistakes. You're making mistakes picking players up in the first place. You're making mistakes or trading for them. You're making mistakes or drafting them. And then you're making mistakes by dropping them. Then you're making mistakes by going back and picking them up or picking the next guy up. It, it's just if you you would have been so much better off if you just picked up or drafted one, whatever player it is, and held them. Unless they get injured or absolutely or deactivated or you know maybe demoted to the practice squad or something, then fine, of course. Just believe it. That's why the way we play fantasy football is so different than the rest of the people. All right. And we just don't do that. Don't We identify situations and invest 100% of the way with those situations. And we're going to talk about the tight end position on this week's show. We're going to talk about, I'm going to break down the best systems for the tight end. Because it's important. Because some of them went down this past week. And we've seen injuries to these Setups. So which backups are viable and which backups are not? That's something we'll address here on the program. And it goes deeper. This goes into DFS as well, daily fantasy football. And the thing about daily do you guys use ownership projections? Ownership projections are worthless. And we work very, very hard on our ownership projections at Fantasy Guru, and they're fucking worthless. You know how pissed it makes me to work at something, spend hours of time when I could be doing other things to produce something that is basically not useful? I have to tell you, the older I get, more I want to just cut that kind of shit out of my life. Stuff that's not useful is just shouldn't have a place. But the problem, it's not our fault. 
it's not the player's fault. It's none of most of you are not the problem. Maybe some of you, some of you, I'm sure, use algorithms or I should say optimizers. Use optimizers and you just churn out lineups and you churn out a hundred of them or 150 of them. And you know, and again, you're trying to do something that you think you're being smart, but what you're doing is the most hacky thing in the world. Wow. Wow, you're building amazing a ton of lineups trying to hope you land on one. Like the whole idea, again, not being a part of the cycle, the whole idea that we give credit to people that aren't good enough to play one lineup against the field, but they have to build a million of them and or a hundred of them, hundred up to 150 of them, and then they land on one and we give them all the credits. Come on, man. It's the equivalent to a quick pick. That's all it is. Just quick picking it. No, man. I got the real, I, I got the right player pool, man. I just get percentages of players. That's why it landed on the right thing. Bullshit. Bullshit. That's not why it landed on it. Thinning the pool down is a skill. I'll absolutely give it that. But arranging it in a way, I, I see so many lines. And that's the reason ownership projections suck is because a player is either going to be like 40, 50, 60% owned, or he's going to be under 10 because everybody's building either the exact same lineup or a similar build. And I think that's why I'm having so much success in tournaments this year. Because I, I'm a one lineup guy. I'm playing against a ton of optimized lineups, supposedly optimized lineups. and But I'm building it differently than them. And I'm getting tremendous players. And I'm getting them at super low ownership. Um. One of the thing, one of the DFS things I've talked about on the XM show, I want to get, I'll get this across. I got plenty to get to here today. I hope I'm making sense. Like at some point, you guys want to be different. You're not going to win anything by fitting in. It, that's a real difficult lock to get over in your mind. People aren't going to like your team, and my son's going through this right now. He's got a bunch of he's got fantasy basketball and base or he had baseball football leagues with the kids at school, his friends. And they rip on him and they say that and they try to talk him into shitty trades and all this stuff. And I tell him, you know, that's what they're gonna do. Anytime you stand out and you do something different, you pick up a different player, you don't make a trade that everybody expects you to. And when you don't do that, you're usually giving yourself an edge, but you're also, that's going to offend people because they don't understand because they would do it. But everybody can't win. Winners win. Then our mentality, only winners win. How are you going to stand out by fitting in with everybody, building the same lineups? How are you, how are you going to, if you're going to draft like everybody, if you're going to play like everybody and you know what I'm saying? You're you're just going. We in here in Arizona. One of the first things I noticed when I moved here was when you Google Map things. Now Arizona's built the highway system, and all the roads are on a grid system. You know what I mean? North, south, east, everything is perfect, which I love. By the way, it's fantastic. 
However, when you do Google Maps or MapQuest or whatever it is, every single person that types in, oh, how to get to, you know, the stadium, uh, Chase Field or Glendale, Cardinal Stadium, State Farm Stadium, whatever. When you when you type that in, every single one of us is going the same way. Google maps, whatever, it all will tell us to take the same way. We all act as if we're the only ones with this great inside information, but it's the whole world. So what happens with Arizona with traffic? If you go the way that they tell you to go, you are going, is going to take you exponentially longer. Oh no, man. I use ways and ways tells me where the traffic is. No, that shit's delayed, bro. It's delayed. Up the ass. They don't tell you in real time. Fucking, I can't believe we, there are people that think that. No, they don't tell you in real time. And they don't account for every other person that's on the road that wants to go to this location or go to North Phoenix or into Scottsdale or down to Ahwatukee. They're not telling you, they're not accounting for all those people. So what happens? We sit in traffic. Meanwhile, all you had to do, especially here, it's a grid. Go to the next street. That's it. I do this all the time, and my wife acts like I'm a, a scientist, like I'm Bill Nye. Like, wow, there's no traffic today. I said, oh, no, there's traffic. It's there, though. It's on that road because that road is where Google tells everybody to go. And then what happens, eventually you, you learn your directions, but you learn to go that route. Same thing. Same exact principles. But you're never going to get – if you want to get to your destination faster and ahead of the crowds – which should be the goal in any kind of competition, you're going to have to stand out. That doesn't mean you stand out just to stand out. It doesn't mean you play erratically. It doesn't mean you play wildly. No. All right? And in DFS specifically, be different. Don't. Here's the thing right now. The number one winning tournament strategy you can employ in 2022 in daily fantasy football, pay up to be contrarian. The new guy, the sexy new guy is not the answer. Never will be, never has been, will never be. Those are not your solutions. Everybody goes on to the new thing. <laughs> Again, we always act like, God, it's so irritating. I'll be, I'll tell you a secret. I really don't like it in our chat rooms, our Discord. People post news all the fucking time. I, and I think, I, I swear to God, it's got to be like 40-plus-year-olds that do this. Do you, everybody, do we know we all get the same alerts? Every, we, you don't have any inside info. You, you know, we all get the exact same thing. We all know what's going on, man. This whole idea, we do this in our fucking stupid Circa contest league that we do in on uh, fantasy guru and my fellow compadres at the site post news as if like nobody else sees it guys we all see it i, I mean this is ridiculous you guys, i feel like it's what cavemen did when the sun would come back and then the next time we didn't know the sun oh it goes away it's cold we gotta build fire oh sun back up that we all know it, and eventually it happens so often we all know. We all know when Adam Schefter tweets. We all have alerts. I get 15 alerts from 15 different apps every time news breaks. 
So if I'm not the absolute first person to see my phone at that instant, I'm going to see it within the next three minutes. And then all of us will too. So it's not anything. But And then also back in 2006 and 2010 in fantasy sports, you thought you, you got an edge by knowing who that third string so-and-so player was, that four string, that backup. Everybody knows now, man. Everybody knows. We have so many scouting reports. and We do it at our site, let alone across the industry and across the world. There's no more big surprises. What the sheep are doing in daily fantasy football, they're following that example. What does the optimizer say? And then how do I fit in the newest sexy? Whoever the, the latest news is. Think about on Sunday morning. I was going fucking crazy. Serious X on fantasy football pregame with Bob Harris. Bob will tell you. I had a meltdown. I, I had to stop us from reporting any more Josh Allen news. Uh, it was, None of it was useful. None of it was good for us. We needed to know two things. Was he playing? And should our listeners be starting him and using him DFS or betting, whatever? That was it. Every single other piece was not news. All that was was degrees of Find people trying to find reasons not to, or to, or not to. But we had to make that decision. Finally, I just said, "Fuck it, we're we're I'm all in. We're going to. He is starting. He is going to be the starting quarterback, and he is going to, and we start him in our lineups. And that was it. If there was any problem with that, well, I'll put it on me. Worked out all right, even though he played like shit." But we, I, everybody was waiting for some magical news to save them, to make their minds up for them. And that is just, I could tell by how much everybody hung on every word, what a problem this has been. It's And it continues to be. And as we look at the tight end spot in fantasy football going forward, there's like, it's almost sensory overload. Guys have five new players all on the radar now. You're all excited. Meanwhile, if it was just one, every single person would want that one. And it would drive up the price. So pay up to be contrarian in daily fantasy football, especially in tournaments. Don't be different. Use the chalk or the highest owned value players. That's who you, the highest owned value players to get your value. When you, and where you want to be different is at the top. If everybody is using Derrick Henry against the Texans, so probably a bad example because we'd love to use him every time he plays the Texans, but if everybody's all in on whatever, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, everyone's using Pat Mahomes like they did last week. And you're in a tournament and he's going to be 80% owned because that's what people are nowadays. It doesn't, you, you're just fitting in the crowd. Why are you doing that? Pay up to be different. Be different with Justin Fields, who is 20%, or be different with whoever else at that spot. Be different at the – because why? Because you're getting a great player there. You're not getting a shitty player hoping he does moderate. You're getting a great player that if the chalk stud player fails – 
you have another stud player to replace them that all he has to do is do what stud players do, and you're home free. That's the best advice I can give. And that could win you money this week. That strategy right there is going to win you money this week. That strategy will also win you money long-term in fantasy football seasonal, and it'll win you money in betting too. All right, so there you go. Um, man, I, I can go on another rant about Bill Cowher and that whole situation. Uh, for those who missed it, Bill Cowher, CBS Studio, was basically in tears, crying that Jeff Saturday didn't make his mark, didn't uh, deserve his opportunity to coach the Indianapolis Colts because there's a lot of people that have worked in that building and worked in football their whole lives and have never got that opportunity, so on and so forth. Bill Cowher says that while sitting at a, a news desk at CBS, one of the biggest companies and corporation media corporations in the world, obviously take, and when he was hired back in 2007, took the job of somebody who probably worked 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years to get that job or opportunity as well. But he walked into it. Guy can barely speak with his cleft jaw. Gah, 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 gah. Fuck you is what I got to say to that. There are people that work their ass off, but all sports broadcasting has become is a bunch of ex-players and coaches talking garbage and talking nonsense. It is watered down and it has destroyed journalism. You know, just absolutely destroyed it. I got a guy still tweet me from Monday when I went off on this and says, oh, it's just the way it goes now, man. You know, you know, they'd rather have a Hall of Famer than uh, somebody who you know worked their entire life. We'd rather hear who uh, who th- what they think. Do you really believe that? You really would, honest to God, rather hear random people because they compete on the field what their commentary on a game is, and. If that's the case, I feel so bad for you because maybe I'm trying to give you the benefit of the doubt. Like I could easily say, well, you're just a fucking idiot, right? But I don't think you're an idiot to think that. I I don't, you know, got to try to look at how, what people's perspective is. My, my belief is that you probably have come up in an era the last 22 years where you started listening to sports and watching sports, and that's all you've really been subjected to. So you don't know what it's like to have people that are professional at their job who've worked their way up. I mean, I mean, this, this is a, in my industry, I'll speak from my experience here for a moment. Um, But what I'm saying is I had people with a wealth of knowledge when I was younger. Again, (laughs) I'm dating myself. Howard Cosell. I don't remember Howard very well, but I do remember him but Brent Musburger and all these play-by-play guys, all the color commentators. Now, John Madden was a former coach, but John Madden was a coach for a very brief amount of time. He was not in it. The NFL was not institutionalized back then, and he did broadcasting his way and different, and he had to learn his craft, and it took him several years to be really good at it too. But Summerall was a punter. You know, these guys were worked their way up and trained and it was a different era. Well, we used to have 
people, everybody in the booth would have an almost encyclopedia knowledge of the game, the sports, the teams, the players, everything else. Okay. They knew the playbooks, not as well as the former players. Although I'll argue there's been so many former players that cannot tell you plays or coverages or protections or blocking schemes or anything either. And they don't bring that to the table. That's what they should be bringing to the table. They bring none of it. So in my business, here's something that drives me crazy. People ask me about it all the time. I get in the man's cave. It's unfiltered. It's raw. People ask me, they ask me about the serious XM people all the time. That's why I had to shout out my dudes at roster watch the other day, because man, yeah, I, I listen to the station all the time. I don't listen to a lot of other podcasts right? I listen to radio when I'm that, and otherwise I'm working and I'm around the house and everything else. But one thing I do know, and I wonder if you guys can tell this or not, I have no idea, but you don't hear a lot of clicking in my background when you're on this show. Pay attention to it. You don't hear a lot of clicking. Now, I think you probably, and our producer, Sean Angle is great. He cleans it up a lot where I move away from the microphone and I'm not saying it's the best I do a great job, but here's the, when you watch a live stream, watch our Friday night live stream over at fantasyguru.com, right? What you don't see, you see my stupid face and sorry, you have to be subjected to such disgusting uh, things. But one thing you don't see is a, I'm solo on the show. I bring in guests, but I, I don't have to click on anything. I don't have to bring anything up. I don't have to, research anything. Do you know why? Because I've got 30 years of experience and 18 years of broadcasting. I don't do it during our XM shows. My producers, Phil and Sandra will attest. Ted, Ray, they know it. If I was on camera here, you would see it. My hand, my hands are folded in front of me on my chair as I lean into the mic. On my screen is my email box and the recording studio information that's it there's no i don't have any <laughs> there's no you know that and that is very unusual because a lot of people in my business don't learn it they don't want to take time to learn they don't want to spend time honing their craft they don't want to develop into good broadcasters they don't want to understand timing they don't want to understand sponsors and how to integrate. They don't want to understand how to gain listeners or build a following or build listenership. They don't want to understand what sounds good, doesn't sound good. They don't want to do any of that. And people like the gentleman that tweeted me earlier that says that championship winning coaches and Hall of Famers are better than broadcast experience, guys. Um, it's your fault for falling for that, for settling for that. Because they're not better. And if we had more long-term broadcasters, people who actually love to think about all of you, a lot of you out there have way more knowledge, more skills, more things to talk about. You know, you could be better broadcasters or analysts than me or people at my staff or somebody on the channels or somebody in the industry or what have you. Very good chance. But you have to work at it. You have to hone it. You have to keep developing. I try to evolve every day. If Think about all of your jobs. If they just allowed somebody off the street to walk in and do your job, 
what does that mean in terms of your value? That mean you're just replaceable and that anybody off the street can do it. That's how I feel with broadcasting a lot of times. They're just going to hire somebody over you. And I set it on XM's airwaves, and I'll say it here. Uh, I I see where this is going. Look at what's happened to fantasy sports radio and other things as well. Because what happens is popular. Like right now, it's basically folks that are, uh, what do they call them? Um, Twitter and social media uh uh, influencers, that's the name I look for. Influencers are now like hosting radio shows and podcasts and they're getting the sponsorship deals and they're doing it's like, and I'll be replaced someday. And you may say, oh yeah, well it's you know, there. I followed them doing videos and TikTok dances or something like that. But now you're going to, you are looking for football knowledge or baseball knowledge or basketball knowledge. None of them are going to do the work. They're not going to do the work. They don't have the experience. They don't have the work ethic. They don't have the. Des- they don't have any desire to do that job that well. Players that have been paid millions and millions and millions of dollars over their career don't have the desire to get better at the broadcast field. Now, I can't say everybody doesn't. There's always one or two that will hone their craft, but these guys aren't educated in it. They're not experienced in it. So the whole thing falls apart. You could be getting so much better if you gave me a 50 or give me a $10 million budget for Monday night football or Thursday night football or whatever it is to form the best broadcast teams available. I will not only build you the best, I'll build you for the top four. I know exactly what the people want. I know exactly what will work. And the first day, Everybody will be like, who the fuck are these guys? Why am I, why do I listen to this? And then by the time we're through the second or third week, because you're going to watch the games anyway, right? Of course we are. You're going to be like, oh man, I really like the way they broke down that. I really like the way they talked about, I'll get the people that can talk about who's doing a press man type of coverage. What does this quarterback do against that type of coverage? Look for this. Look, they're rotating offensive linemen in and out look for them to that means they're keeping fresh bodies on the field that means they're going to be running to the left here you know these types of elements you guys are be like holy shit is really good yeah but meanwhile you're settling for hey man that guy watched in a game one time and he did really well yeah he's telling me nothing about it but basically you're just watching that's what we're settling for it's just fucking pathetic all right so that's my problem there. Um, that was week 10. Hopefully you guys got some from that, you know, a couple tidbits in there that helped out. Let's talk about the tight end position because it's a mess. Let's review what's been going on. Mark Andrews hurt. He's back practicing. He's going to play this week. So that's a good thing overall. Uh, but we still have to monitor that. We have George Kittle, who's done jack shit all season. Right, TJ Hawkinson, who got traded from Detroit to Minnesota two weeks ago. We have Zach Ertz, who hurt his knee this past week. He's out for the season. Dunzo for Arizona. We've got Dallas Goddard, hurt himself in the Monday night football game. Shoulder injury. They say it's a multiple week injury as of right now. So he's not out for the season. It's important to remember that. But he is 
out for at least a few weeks here. Got Kyle Pitts, who's sucked ass all season, despite, if you're like me, drafting him in the third round. We got David Njoku, who's missed each of the last two weeks, even around the body. We haven't used him in a month, right? So we got Taysom Hill, who is tight end by name only, who's then jack shit as well. That uh, because everybody loved when he did very, very well, I still have to consider, especially with the defunctness of tight ends right now. Taysom Hill works his way into it, even though you'd have to be beyond desperate to actually use him. Complete boomer bust type idea. So the entire landscape is just dog shit. All right. It's just so awful. It just reaffirms something. If you don't listen to the SiriusXM radio show, that is fine. I mean, my feelings are hurt, but I, I totally understand. The Something I've talked about going into next year has to be don't Please don't do this. And if you're going to be a fantasy guru subscriber next year, please don't ask me which running back to draft in the first round, which running back to draft in the second round. Please, please don't. If you want to say what running back to draft, make it in the fifth round, six, seven, eight, nine. Please. I am going to lose my shit on anybody and everybody who starts identifying only a position to draft in the first, second round. Because if you're not considering a quarterback in the first or second round or a tight end in the first or second round or a wide receiver in the first or second round, I can't help you. Like I absolutely cannot help you. So there's nothing I could do. You're, you're absolutely positively hopeless. I never draft my quarterback. I know what you I know what you have done in the past. And I'm sure it's probably worked in the past, but we're not there anymore. That's not what 22 was 2021 was. It's not what 2022 has been. It's not going to be what 2023 is. Be prepared to take the best player. When you have a chance to take a Travis Kelsey and lock down a position that you never have to worry about again. Well, everybody else in your entire league scrambles, you take that. You take it and you don't ever look back. Because right now, the top scoring player, oh, I'm sorry, top scoring tight end in fantasy football is obviously Travis Kelsey, 187.5 fantasy points. Okay, so fine, fine, fine. Travis Kelsey also has the sixth most fantasy points of all players, running backs, receivers, tight ends, non-quarterbacks, though. All right? 187.5.6. Kelsey has more than Christian McCaffrey, uh -huh. more than Devontae Adams, more than Saquon Barkley, more than Nick Chubb, more than Derrick Henry, more than Joe Mixon, Right? The only people with more points, Cooper Cup, which will lose him for the most of the rest of the season as well. Um, Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler, Stefan Diggs, and Tyreek Hill. Oh, yeah. By the way, that means one running back has more fantasy points. One running back has more fantasy points than Travis Kelsey this season. One. That's Eckler. So, Yeah. That is, uh, by the way, if Travis Kelsey was a quarterback, 
if he was a if you put him at quarterback, he'd be quarterback seven. <laughs> That's insane, man. That level of production. Now we can't. We're not going to be. He's going to be another year older next year. So we'll have to wrench on that. But there will be a standout at the position. Will he stand out to that degree? No. But Mark Andrews is a standout at that position too. In fact, going into week 11, your tight end scoring leaders this season, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Zach Ertz, out. So we lose number three. Dallas Goddard, boom, we lost number four. TJ Hawkinson, number five, was traded. TJ Hawkinson had 30% of his points in one week, by the way. He has had 60% of his production in the last three weeks. I'm sorry. Whatever that one big week and then the last two weeks, first two weeks with the Vikings. Number six is Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is sixth in scoring amongst fantasy tight ends this season. And his stat lines, his points, scored that random touchdown in the beginning of the season, that 60-yard touchdown, 15 points then one point, then eight points, then 34. So a third of his points came in one week. In fact, 60% of his points came in three weeks. Weeks one, five, and seven. Because then it went from 34 to four, then to 10, then eight. Okay, that's, you know, we could handle that at the position. Then one, then point one. Yet he's tied in six of the season. Can you deal with a point one and one four times having less than two points? Hell no. Tyler Conklin of the Jets is seventh in points. Tyler Higby, the Rams, eighth. Gerald Everett, who also got hurt, likely will miss the Chiefs game on Sunday Night Football this week. He's tied at nine. Pat Fryermuth is number 10. Juwan Johnson of the Saints is number 11, buoyed by four touchdowns. And then 12th is Cole Komet. Cole Komet has 274 passing or receiving yards this season, yet somehow is tight end 12 in fantasy football. Cole Komet's stat line, 0, 0, 6, 4. 6, 8.5, 2.5, 5.2, 9.1, then 22 and 23. That's his stat line for the year. That's 81.3 points on the season and 45.4 of the 81 points have come in two weeks. Basically, what we've learned is there were four consistent performers at the position and we lost two of them this week. And the third one has missed a week and a half in Andrews. He should be back. So what do we do? Well, we have to identify the systems. What are the best systems for tight ends? Okay. I illustrated this in the manifesto. It's still readily available to you over at fantasyguru.com. If you've got the draft guide, I should say. Baltimore is obviously the one. Now, very disappointing that likely only got one catch in his filling in for um, Mark Andrews on that game against the Saints, but it was a touchdown. It was 24 yards. So he was he was a profitable tight end despite the lower workload. Kansas City is another one. The thing about Kansas City 
that is sort of like low key here is that if you look at um, the entirety of that position, remember Jody Forster did early in the season. But if you look at Noah Gray, who's the back, I mean, Noah Gray, those who have Kelsey, he pops in every now and then. You know, he's tight end 30 on the year, 40 points. Like he's got more points than Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, Mo Alleycox, Greg Dolchich, Logan Thomas this season. Cameron Braid. He's the backup. So Noah Gray, something more to happen to Kelsey would be a monster. The third best is actually Philadelphia. And this is what we got to talk about. What happens now with Goddard? What would do the Eagles do now? Jack Stoll is the backup and the guy that will take up for Dallas Goddard while he's out. Jack Stoll, if you've ever watched an Eagles game, Jack Stoll's the guy who will catch one or two passes a game, and you'll be like, "What the hell is?" Uh, um, you'll you'll cheer because you have Goddard, and then you'll be like, "Oh fuck, how's that fucking Jack Stoll? The fuck is this shit?" Was an undrafted free agent, all right, out of Nebraska. Um, but he's built very much, 6'4", 255 pounds, uh, was huge. The thing about Stoles, like, he was a big recruit going into college, right? And then at Nebraska, just didn't do, didn't do much of really anything. Hit a knee injury, kind of floundered around a little bit, but he's a very smart kid. Very, he's a good athlete, slow. Like he, he tests faster, but he's also, but he's slower than you like. Like Goddard, though, has slowed down a lot too. The problem that I have with Jack Stoll is that he's, they, what Philadelphia likes to run those little bubbles, those screens to tight ends. It's like a tight end bubble screen, even though it's not a technical bubble. But they run everybody downfield. And by the way, you've watched Goddard. They get a legal man downfield penalties on this once a game where Goddard loses like a 20-yard catch. And then Goddard just kind of runs behind everybody. All right? And I don't – Stoll's not fast enough for that. You know, this doesn't – he's not quick enough for that. He's, he's strong. He runs hard, but he's going to have to break tackle. So I think the yards per catch would go down, but they're going to run the same offense in Philadelphia. That's why – it pays to have a good system. So Jack Stoll's a good get if you just needed somebody to fill in for Dallas Goddard the next couple of weeks. Other systems that are good, the Raiders. Remember the Raiders built their entire offense with the idea that Darren Waller would be a big part of it. He's no longer there. And so now we get Foster Moreau. And, you know, Foster Moreau's a huge guy. You talk about a red zone weapon. This dude is... Is a 6'5", 250-pound leaper, big arms, can go up and high point the football as well. And we've seen the last few weeks. So every week he's filled in for Waller. He got the start. His targets, four, four, five, nine, five, and four. Caught the touchdown last week, which... That's the only problem about Moreau is that because he got a touchdown, everybody's going to be like, oh... Now they're all gravitating toward him. But the Raiders will throw to the tight end as part of their foundation. And Moreau plays over 90% of snaps, which is another rarity 
amongst tight end. So those are the best systems. Players that are moving up just as a result. Cole Komet, obviously. I think the emergence, just Justin Fields being so good is what everybody, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, Cole Komet, right? All of them move up significantly in fantasy appeal and value because of the play of Justin Fields. Tyler Higbee. Now let's talk about Cooper Cup going down. It's one of the biggest, most freaking brutal injuries of the season. Cooper Cup was the only bright spot going for the LA Rams. And without him, what happens? Well, we know Stafford's going to gravitate to one person because he doesn't spread the ball around. That's not what Stafford does. I think it'll be Allen Robinson. Most of you are going to go after Van Jefferson because you think, well, I'm going to go with the new guy. Now, I love Van Jefferson. I just don't think it's going to be him. But um, Higby, I think, is the one that picks up a lot of the slack. Remember a couple of years ago, it was two years. Tyler Higby going into last year was a highly sought after player, right? And he was highly sought after because he closed the, I think it was the 2021 season on a monster stretch, right? He, he was just a monster stretch where he was the focus focal point essentially of the offense and got people really excited and really pumped up about it. But it never really materialized into anything after that. It was actually 2019, my bad. Uh, 2019 when he closed out a monster season. Yeah. He, I mean, Higby was just a beyond a fucking beast that that season. 107, 116, 111, 104, and 84 yards. Two touchdowns in that realm. Caught 7, 7, 12, 9, and 8 passes. Saw 8, 11, 14, 11, and 12 targets during that season. So, like, okay, well, that was a nice run. And then 2020, nothing seemed to really materialize after that, right? Because of uh, um, he, he didn't break out. It wasn't They played a lot of two tight end setups and tried to run the ball and everything else. But the part people don't know is that Cooper Cup was banged up those last few weeks. There's a different quarterback, Jared Goff. There's Todd Gurley, I think, was still there. So it's a little bit of different of a time. But this is before the emergence of Cooper Cup. So... When you're looking for who Matt Stafford's fallback will be, don't be surprised with Tyler Higby. That's the guy I'd go out and get right now. I think Kyle Pitts, as a result, also moves up in terms of value. And, you know, it's brutal with Kyle Pitts. The thing about Kyle Pitts is they don't throw enough in Atlanta. Now, when you score against Atlanta and force of the pass, then we see some good numbers with Pitts. But if they're not forced to, they're not going to throw. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. So he, but he moves up in value just because the other guys, the other guys aren't there. The uh, there's just no other players as we talk about. Um, if I were to rank, and I have the replacement level players. Uh oh! Don't forget, Gerald Everett is also hurt. I mentioned that, but Trey McKitty, I like Trey McKitty, maybe the most of these guys. 
listen, stole uh, Trey McBride in the ride, the rookie um, for the Arizona Cardinals, played about 90% of snaps after Ertz went down. Notice Arizona wasn't one of the best tight end systems. Ertz has always been a square peg in a round hole in that offense. He's been a luxury, if you will. So Marquise Brown's come back. DeAndre Hopkins is active. Connor is healthy, who catches a lot of passes. You got Rondell Moore, who they still feed the ball to. Uh, AJ Brown, AJ Green, I'm sorry, is still kicking around. Like, there's just too many. Trey McBride is going to be an exciting one to people, but as I always say, rookie tight ends rarely peak. Rookies just don't perform at that position. I think if you can get McBride at a very low cost, a buck or two on the on waivers or on Fab, sure. But I don't think he's going to go for that. I think he's going to go for a lot more. So personally, I would value him less, or I'm going to bid on him a little bit less. If you can get a Tyler Higby, if you can get a Cole Komet, if you can get a Dalton Schultz, if you can get a, a uh, Greg Dulcich. All right, I'll go ahead and just do that. Najoku, if somebody cut him maybe during the buy when he's been hurt, is out there, you go and get them. If not, we're left with this sort of also Rand mark. And if it's a if you're if Ertz, you have a longer term need. If you've got her, it probably makes the best most sense just to go Jack Stall. Just go get Stall. And that way you kind of handcuff that situation. Hopefully you have an IR spot so you can slam them right into there and you're no worse for the wear, right? If you need like a one week starter or, you know, maybe stole, you don't, you miss out on him or you, you need a, a secondary con, uh, conditional bid, then Trey McKitty would be my guy to sub in for Gerald Everett. All right. Those are the, uh, replacement level players. Trey McBride would be third or well down the list. I think Foster Moreau, if you need a long term, if you lost Zach Ertz, Foster Moreau, at least was the rest of the season. That would be a good guy to go out and get right now in the waiver wire too. Juwan Johnson of the Saints, another name. Like him. Don't think the touchdowns are going to hold. He keeps scoring touchdowns. But, I mean, when we look at things like the important numbers with the tight end position, what do we look at? Well, obviously, we look at overall production. But what's the target share? Which which tight ends have the highest target share in football this season? And, you know, of when we're talking about, you know, for the whole entirety of the season, so Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey is right out there. Andrews, Andrews is way down this year, by the way only 26%, but he also just happens to lead the league, right? The surprising one there is Kyle Pitts, who's right there at 24% target share, 24.1, same exact amount as Travis Kelsey. Goddard was fourth on this list at 20.9. Higby's fifth, 20.6. So that's a sneaky one. Hawkinson, 18.5. That's spread around two teams, of course. Ertz was only 18.1. Friermuth. Conklin, Komet, Najoku, Evan Ingram. I'm a big fan of Ingram. Fortunately, I have Ingram in some of the leagues I had Goddard in. So I, mean, I just had him randomly because nobody else. I think I drafted 
him just to, and I've used him as a flex a couple of different times during these bye weeks. So a good get if you can get him. And then after the target share is concerned, you look at, all right, where are those targets going? Who's getting the ball near the goal line the most? That's Kelsey, 19 red zone targets. Ertz has 15. Andrews, 14. Hawkinson, 10. Then there's some new names. Mike Gusecki at nine. Gerald Everett at nine. Cade Otten. Cade Otten, not a bad pickup. You can't play him this week because he's on bye. Is the only problem. Cameron Braid is technically back for Tampa, even though Otten has usurped him. Najoku at eight. Remember, Najoku hasn't played in a month. So that's a very telling thing. Eight, that's the total number of red zone targets Dallas Goddard had. Hayden Hurst at seven. Juwan Johnson. Juwan Johnson has six red zone targets and four touchdowns. Robert Tunyon, six as well. So then you go, all right, well, what, what's the overall percentage? What's the red zone target share? Mark Andrews, 35.8. Ertz, 31.25. Dalton Schultz. That's interesting. That's why I like Schultz. 28.5% red zone target share. Kelsey, 28.35. Daniel Bellinger, before he went down, unfortunately, for the Giants. So ugh, I don't, I'm not taking a chance at any of the Giants. Guys, Najoku at 26.6, Goddard 25.8, Dolchitz 25, Komet 24. So, oh, excuse me. The uh, getting the ball, you're not going to have a lot of high volume producers at this position. All right. So, you're going to have to maximize the efficiency. And to do so, find out where they're being targeted the most. That's where you can get sneaky players. Mike Gasecki has a 20% red zone target share, okay? I mean, it's higher than guys like Hayden Hurst by a lot. It's more than Kate Otten by a lot. More than uh, a Robert Tunyon even, who we look at and have good numbers in the red zone, but the percentage of the throws. So if you think an offense is going to turn around, is going to get better, Miami in the red zone a lot, that share is very important, all right? So uh, there you go. I think that's pretty good for the uh, the tight end position. All right. Uh, let's get into the – oh, man, we're, we're a little over an hour right now. Look at me just babbling on. Uh, I will leave you guys with my Week 11 predictions and some thoughts uh, about these games. Number one, it looks like it's going to be real terrible weather in Buffalo. Talk four to six feet of snow. Good Lord. For one – when I, as of right now, I don't trust any of this shit because, but I do, I'm very interested to see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt go bananas in the snow against that Buffalo defense. Uh, this is a right for an upset. I'm not going to pick this game because I don't trust the weather on a Thursday and <laughs> what's going to happen on Sunday, but um, who knows? If we're talking four to six feet in the Buffalo in Orchard Park, we're, we could see the game postponed because remember the NFL sports are pussies. Now they don't play in tough weather. So <laughs> who knows what will happen by the time we get to game time. That's something uh, to keep an eye out on. I think that for the Sunday night game, I think both Mike Williams, Keenan Allen going to return for the chargers. I had a good feeling about Jamar chase, but we've got negative reporting 
out of Cincinnati about his availability for this week against Pittsburgh. Speaking of Pittsburgh, uh, that defense, what did I tell you? The defense is back. Be careful because Mika Fitzpatrick was out last week. He's back. He should be back this week as well. So uh, don't underestimate that Steeler defense here either. Um, Survivor picks. Listen, if you haven't used the Ravens yet, now is your time. And chances are you probably didn't. This is a great defense. The offense line is healthy. Lamar Jackson, his last three seasons, his only three seasons as a starting quarterback, Lamar Jackson, after a bye, has rushed for 16, 21, and 16 times. Rush attempts after a bye week the last three years. That's really telling, isn't it? He went uh, 16 for 61, two touchdowns against the Patriots. Week nine of 2019, he went for um, on uh, uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tough matchup, 16 for 65. <clears throat> Excuse me, no touchdowns in 2020, but 16 rush attempts. All right, both. By the way, both those were the most in either year. And then last year, after the bye week, he went against the Minnesota Vikings. That huge 34-31 comeback win. Threw for three touchdowns, but also ran 21 times for 120 yards. Look for him to go off and run the ball even more than his usual self this week. Good, Pretty good prop bet, depending on where that line winds up against the Carolina Panthers this week. So I like Baltimore. It's got to be different. San Francisco is going to beat Arizona. We don't know as of now whether Kyler Murray or Colt McCoy, either. both of them are hurt. Could see Trace McSorley starting for the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. So San Francisco, pretty good pick. If you want to be different and you're trying to close everything out, I got a real underdog survivor pick, and it's not going to be popular. Two shit teams, the Denver Broncos. I don't think the Raiders will win another game. They have so much talent. But if Nate Hackett has been able to somewhat keep the team together, whereas Josh McDaniels has this all fractured. <clears throat> so that is uh, Denver. If you had to close it out, not highly recommended. There are better options, but if you're just looking, everybody's going to go to Baltimore and you already used him or something like that. There you go. My bet of the week. Uh, um, you know what? I'll inflate the line a little bit just to give some protection. Go down to minus 140. The Rams and Saints. Rams defense is still very good. They're going to have to pick up the slack. But we don't know if Stafford's playing, Wolford's playing. The one thing we know is Cooper Cup, which is about 35% of that team's offense, is gone. Saints are not shitty defensively. Their problem is in the secondary, and that secondary, who's going to test them really? I'm going under 41 and a half right now is minus 140. So give me the under Rams and Saints upset of the week. Well, you know what? Hmm. I like a lot of upsets. There's a lot of bad lines right now. And you just don't know by the time you guys are listening to this, if you listen on Thursday night or Friday or anything else, um, let me, I'm going to go with an upset. I hope kind of hope doesn't happen but I'm almost positive and it shouldn't be an upset by the way, the bears over the Falcons, the Falcons being three point favorites is just, it's not true. Chicago's playing very well. 
very well. They lost because of an extra point last week. It was a great loss. Was, again, I I hope that Fields continues to play great, and I hope that they continue to lose while he plays great to ensure high pick with all that salary cap money. But for those who don't know, like Justin Fields grew up in Kennesaw, Georgia, and he went to the University of Georgia. He was a bulldog before uh, they chose Jake Fromm as their starter over Justin Fields. And then, so he just went to Ohio state and, you know, was in the playoffs every single year while at the, the Ohio state university. So this is a homecoming game for Justin Fields. The way he's playing against that defense, I think he absolutely just terrorizes his hometown Falcons. So give me the bears in an upset this week. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Episode 137 in the books. Hopefully you got, grabbed something from this uh, this episode. Got into a lot of things here, I, I believe. Some important conversations outside of Week 10. Talked about tight ends. It's a tough position. But overall, the takeaways next season, draft an elite tight end if it's available to you. I don't give a shit what round it is. Just take them. Remember, follow me at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. Get over there to fantasyguru.com. Get the rest of the season NFL package, DFS, betting, man's room access, weekly rankings, weekly projections, game scripts, articles, waivers, and trades, and buy low and sell high, and DFS position coaches, DFS lineup chats, DFS optimizer. It's all there for you fantasyguru.com everybody thank you for tuning in thank you for downloading and subscribing favoriting commenting however you've chosen to do so do so appreciate it you may disagree with some or maybe everything that you heard in today's episode and that's perfectly all right folks you know why it's just one man's opinion that's it we'll see you next time everybody see ya deuces